Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending. And now, without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference. Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, who's got the first question? I got a question. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent. <laughs> really? Trent Krim from the Independent? Are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best that you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really... Who let this guy in? Back in 2005, the folks who run the National Basketball Association decided that they'd put in a rule that made it pretty much impossible for a young basketball phenom to jump directly from high school to the NBA. It's become known as the one-and-done rule, and it's forced guys like Ben Simmons and Zion Williamson to spend a single season on campus rather than going pro right away. Has the rule been good for college basketball? Or does forcing a kid who has no interest in pursuing a college degree to pretend to be a student for a year defeat the purpose of going to college in the first place? This week on Knutson and the Commission, Carl Benson and I talk with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, who covers college basketball as well as anybody, and who has some pretty strong opinions on the one-and-done rule. You might be surprised. Stay with us. You won't want to miss this. We're back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Carl, there are a lot of hot-button front-page issues going on in college sports right now. We've spent a lot of time talking about those things. And one thing that's... Not necessarily a front burner issue, but been on an issue for a long time, is the 2005-2006 rule uh, known as the one and done rule in col- for college basketball for the NBA. It prohibits high school kids from jumping straight to the pros from high school and basically forces kids to go to a col- college for one year. That's been modified in recent years now, and it's, it's one of these things that's undergoing kind of s- slow changes. It's been modified a little bit now with the NBA uh, expanding their G League, their developmental league, to include some select high school players. And so uh, there's obviously a ripple effect when you do something like that. And college basketball is now being affected by, impacted by that a little bit. Not so much at this point, but maybe who, who knows down, down the road. And Carl, we're lucky enough to be joined by an old colleague of yours, an old friend of yours, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Oh, Carl, Mark, happy to be with you. Yeah, I, I know you and Carl have had some long discussions in the past. We'll, we'll hopefully get into one of those here. But um, I want to ask both of you what your thoughts are initially about the idea of high school kids being forced to go to college or do something for a year rather than going straight to the NBA. Carl, what do you think about that? Well, Mark, you, uh, you dated back to 2005 and 2006 when the quote one and done was, was first implemented and, and what has transpired since. But, and Mike and I were talking off camera or before you got on that, you know, we, we forget that it was just four years ago when, you know, the Condoleezza Rice uh, super duper NCAA how to fix basketball before it collapses committee was in place to, you know, to really take a look at, at the FBI investigation and, and yeah. the ills of college basketball. And one of the recommendations that came out of the, the Rice Commission or the Rice Committee was ending the one and done. And, and as they say, and the charade that it is. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I think that that as we now progress, and when you think about it, back in the 2018 when the committee came out, you know, NIL had just been introduced. Uh, it wasn't part of the recommendation, but Condoleezza Rice individually came out and said, and we need to be able to uh, establish an opportunity for student athletes, regardless of the sport, to profit from their name, image, and likeness. And you know, then we we have we have COVID and and the transfer portal, and all of a sudden now we're back. We've had college football playoff. Uh, we've had the Texas to Oklahoma, and it seems like college basketball has been kind of forgotten yes. in terms of where it was and and the the ilks that there is. Will Wade is still coaching. Bill Self is still coaching. Mm-hmm. Sean Miller. Sean Miller may be the only one that you know, that technically lost his job due to the, you know, the scandal of 2017 and how much of that is, you know, is, can be blamed on the NBA. I don't think, I don't think that it's an NBA issue, but now that as we get out of of COVID and we turn our attention to NIL and the transfer portal and the impact that that's going to have on college basketball, you know, I, I think that the one and done is, you know, is is going to be by the wayside as soon as the the NBA CBA you know ends their their that's current. twenty that's twenty twenty five though that's a ways away right well and it I mean who cares right now as you said you said you know many many times as we talk about the football piece there are no rules that's right <laughs> so uh, you know who's gonna who's gonna challenge that uh, that kid coming out of high school from you know going directly into the NBA I guess so Mike what do you think Mike. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer in the rule. I, I, I know what, how, hard, how difficult it is to, to move directly from the NBA, from, from high school into the NBA. It's, it's, it's an absurd proposition. You have to be ungodly talented. You have to be LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant to really make it work. <clears throat> you, you don't see guys coming out of high school and going to pitch for the Yankees. I mean, right. it doesn't happen. Because it's because you have to learn how to play the game. You have to learn how to master lesser challenges in order to master the greatest challenge. And and I've seen even with the one and done, I've seen too many really talented players whose careers went nowhere because they weren't prepared to handle that challenge. But at least the NBA has a chance with uh, an opportunity to evaluate players against higher competition than what they get in high school or prep school or a or the summer in aau they to, to discern which ones may be more ready for that challenge but mike so i'm a di- believer in it the difference though you talked about is baseball has a minor league system that, that's the huge difference here baseball's model is right it's, it's the right model because those kids have an opportunity you can either go to college or you can go get paid right away you don't get paid very much but you well, get that's the thing right. it's a terrible system well the players it, are terribly treated <clears throat> But the players have an option. They can go. It's an direction. option, but it's they, there's always been an option for college players, the for for, for high school play, basketball players. The idea that it was forced to go to college was right. always a canard. Right. You had the choice to go play in the right. G League. It just meant getting on a plane and going to Maine or going to Erie or going to ba- Bakersfield, and nobody wanted to but do it. But they weren't letting they weren't letting guys go to the G League. Oh no, yes they recently. were. Recently. They were always allowed. High school they were kids. always allowed. Yes, uh, from the very beginning of of the of the because uh, that seems that seems to be the NBA's happy place. That seems to be what they want now. They, they're the NBA and the NBA bosses. Everything I've read here, they don't want to get rid of the one and done rule because partly for medical reasons, they don't get to share medical advice with high, or medical records with high school kids. Uh, doesn't get shared with the NBA, so they're drafting kind of unknowns, at least medically, physically. 
they seem to like what they're doing. I, I wouldn't be so sure, Carl, that they're going to get rid of it in 2025 unless the players union really, really puts their foot down. The players union doesn't want it either yeah. because it means right. you're giving away mm-hmm. jobs that are high paying right. jobs to people who aren't qualified to do those jobs. Right. And so they don't really mm-hmm. want it. Uh, the, there are agents who want it. And sometimes right. agents have undue influence uh, on on the uh, various players associations. I'm not yep. going to. Uh, well, they definitely do. the NBPA and, and say they're, you know, they all have the yes. agents have uh, power over all of them. No question. Um, so but the, the teams, the, the teams themselves desperately don't want it because right. to, to be to go away because it's impossible to evaluate high school right. players uh, without, you know, because they don't go against the kind of competition regularly. And when they do, it's in fairly unstructured uh, play in the summer. So in the end, it, it's the system as it's set up now is fair for everyone. Plus you add on now, now more than ever, uh, the player who comes out of high school and goes to a division one college can be compensated for his or her name, image, and likeness. Uh, and so therefore, it's no longer a question of you go to college and you get a free education, but you don't get it. You don't get much more than pocket change in your uh, uh, cost of attendance payment. Well, now Carl, you can get paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions. You can. Um, Carl, I, I think about a guy like Ben Simmons. That's to me, that was the guy that kind of flipped me on this whole thing, because if you read up on what Ben Simmons did, and you guys both know this very, very well, um, he has to, he's forced to go to college for when he picks LSU. He goes for a semester, he attends, a cl- attends classes for a semester, and then he basically shuts it down. He doesn't go to, he doesn't need to stay eligible anymore. He's already good. And so he doesn't, I mean, he, it was a charade for him to be a college student. It, it no was question. a charade, Mark. But here's the thing. <clears throat> he, per- he perpetuated the charade. Yes, he did. He was from Australia. Yep. He didn't have to come here. Mm-hmm. He came here as a choice because he wanted to promote his brand. He wanted yep. to be Ben Simmons from LSU or Ben Simmons from Kentucky or wherever he wound up. And so he came here so that he could do that and then he turned it back on oh you guys made me do all this stuff right. he traveled ten thousand miles to do this <laughs> it, it, you yeah. know i mean he's, he really went literally out of his way <clears throat> to play high school and college uh, basketball yeah. here and then he complained about the system right. that supposedly constrained him you know we talk about options and uh and at a time when ncaa and intercollegiate athletics uh, in general the the term restrictions is such a, a dangerous word because it reflects antitrust and, and whatever. And as many options as there can be for, and in this case, we're talking about the high school player coming out of high school with a desire to become a professional. And the options that that, that player has has increased. And, and Mike, you're absolutely right that they could have, the, the high school player could go to Europe to play. The high school player could go to the G League. Now the high school player has this, this you know, the NBA G League Ignite uh, option for the elite player that, uh, you know, is, is paying several hundred thousand dollars, if not a half a million dollars to these players. Uh, I think the other thing that, that we're seeing more and more, and, and just here in Denver in the last year, three academies, three high school, three basketball academies have popped up here in Denver to bring in players either from Europe or from, you know, throughout the U.S. And they're getting that extra year. And when they're done with their time in, uh, you know, in the academy, you know, they've reached that, you know, that age 19 or they've reached that one year out of, out of high school provision. 
and they, you know, they're going to be eligible. So, you know, I think we have, you know, increased the opportunities and the options for, you know, for the high school player, you know, the NIL and, and the transfer. And, and, and this is one thing, Mike, I wanted to, to run by you in terms of anticipating because we're not in the, we're not in the midst yet of uh, the recruiting period and the, and the, the letter of intent period that, that happens later this spring. Uh, basketball season is in the middle of its season. So we don't know how, how many players are going to enroll or put themselves into the transfer portal come the 1st of March at the end of their seasons. We know that, that in the sport of football, the number of high school players receiving letter of intents and scholarships this fall plummeted big time because the, the model of 25 incoming football players each year was, you know, 18 high school kids and seven or eight, you know, transfers. What, what do you think, and, and, and the impact, I think the trickle down on high school players with the, the transfer portal, along with the NIL, uh, moving those, those transfers and the dependency on high school basketball players, you know, is reduced. I think that one one factor that needs to be added to that um, the, to the collection of factors in regards to how players are being recruited is the COVID year, the extra year of eligibility that pretty much every athlete in every sport was granted if he or she wished to to take advantage of it, and so the demand, so to speak, for the high school player was decreased because okay, I can have this guy who knows my system; he's a fifth year senior. Uh, and 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 he he's willing to put up with me as coach, so uh, I can have him, or I can have a high school guy who's never played. So I'll keep the, uh, the if the fifth year guy wants me again, then I'm going to stick with him, and then I'll, I'll I'll worry about next year's guy next year. And if the kid coming out of high school excels at uh, some mid major somewhere, then I'll just you know, and he'll he'll realize that he's good enough for me, and maybe I'll get him then. So. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with why the offers were down. I, I do think that there are there are coaches who are adjusting the way they recruit and leaving spots open. Instead of going out and signing four <clears throat> high school players, they'll sign three and leave one open or sign two and leave two open in basketball. And I think that certainly has an impact uh, on the high school player. But I do think that if we hadn't had that extra year of eligibility factored in, that it's it's it becomes a it becomes a process where the, the scholarships have to come from somewhere because mm-hmm. you, you have to, if you need a class of a thousand kids to fill all the vacancies that would be in division one basketball, um, then you need a thousand kids and they may all end up at, they, they or a lot of them may end up at uh, on the, on the ladder of, of, uh, of basketball power. They may end up on lower rungs than they might have otherwise, but they're still going to college for free and playing, uh, on you know, at, at, at a high level, and then if they choose to play at a higher level later, they'd still have that opportunity. But with the with the COVID years and so many players coming back for a fifth or sixth year, then you don't need a thousand high school players to complete your class. And I think that's that's having an impact on those athletes. Hey guys, what's the best? Let's talk big picture for a minute. What's best for college basketball for the sport of college basketball? What would be the best system? Is this the best system we have right now, where they have a chance to go? to the Ignite program I'll talk about or overseas or somewhere else? Or is it better if they could just go straight to the NBA? Is it better for college basketball to, to get these guys who don't want to be in college 
don't make them go to college. Is that better for college basketball? Yeah, I, I think that, remember, the, the idea that, that they're being forced has always been incorrect. And if you, if you have a player like a Kevin Durant or a Greg Oden or uh, Anthony Davis or uh, any of those elite players on your campus for a year, your team is better off, your campus is better off, your athletic department is better off. There's no way in which that's a negative. Now, uh, you could get one of those players who's a total jerk uh, and doesn't want to go to class and uh, doesn't want to be a part of the team and no one likes him and all that sort of stuff. But you can have that with a guy who's not very good either. Right. Uh, so uh, if you can have a talent like that in your program and, and the, to an extended peer po uh, point in your sport, I mean, Zion Williamson, when Zion Williamson was at Duke, was an absolute sensation. I mean, he was, he was someone who brought eyes to the sport of college basketball. He brought attention to the sport because he was such an uncommon player and so exciting to watch that people who were not typically college basketball fans said, I got to see this guy. I and mean, what everybody's talking about him, I got to see him. So that's good for your sport. And I think it's good for the health of the sport overall that Zion Williamson gets to the NBA and one is a known commodity is some, like I said, is a national celebrity to the point where he doesn't even have to have his last name anymore. And that didn't happen when he got to the Pelicans that happened when he was at Duke, he was just Zion. ESPN used to put it at the bottom of their crawl. <laughs> Zion's going to be back in four games, you know, with, because of his injury, that is great for, for the sport that he gets to be developed as well as marketed and so you, there's a scene when the, the, the NBA draft lottery of 2019 was held and the marketing department for the New Orleans Pelicans was gathered in a room around a conference table back in the days when we could do those things. Yeah. There's like 25, 30 people in this room and the lottery ball comes up and the Pelicans get the number one overall pick. And they celebrated in that room as if they had just won the NBA championship. I mean, they were jumping all around. You can find it on YouTube if you if you want to see it. It's a it's an amazing moment. And they're not doing that if they're getting some kid, some high school kid from uh, from South Carolina. They they don't they haven't seen him. They don't know him. They don't they don't have a reason to get excited about selling season tickets. All of that is different now with with the age limit rule. The now, you know, LeBron was a different character. And if we want to rule everything based on LeBron James, you're going to, you know, you're going to break a lot of models because he's one of a kind. But for the average elite, I know that's a contradiction in terms, but for the average elite high school basketball player, they need to be trained beyond high school. And if it's the G League Ignite, the NBA wants to do that. I don't really see why they go so far out of their way to do it. But if they want to do it, great. Uh, if the player wants to go to Australia, as LaMelo Ball did and, and has returned very successfully, that's great, too. Uh, and if the player wants to go to Duke or Kentucky or Auburn or wherever, then, then they get that experience. And, and I, so I, I think that the age limit rule as it stands now, I long ago gave up on the idea of them uh, changing it to two years, which was Adam Silver's prior position. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I'd like the fact that uh, 
that it seems stuck at one because of the players association not being highly motivated and because the teams really lobbying hard against the change because they don't want to go back to scouting scouting high school players but mike if if that's the direction if that's the you know kind of the the landscape if if the one if the nba eliminated their rule and and if you say that the nba doesn't want high school players and the players association doesn't want high school players because they're not ready. And if the NBA just won't, if the NBA teams won't, you know, won't draft them unless there is that one, you know, one in a million LeBron James. And we have a system that, that the high school kid has all these options. And if, if the NBA isn't taking him, then, then he has to, you know, either go the college route or the ignite route or, you know, or perhaps the, the Europe route to, to gain, you know, experience and, and size and maturity that, that would then make, you know, make that player attractive, you know, in the draft. I, I just think that in today's restrictions and, and lack thereof as, as there, you know, whether it was Spencer Hayward back in the beginning, who, I mean, who took this thing, you know, to the Supreme Court in a, a you know, it seems like we're eliminating rules and we're getting rid, rid of rules and letting the marketplace, you know, determine, you know, how in this case intercollegiate athletics and athletes how they decide their future and Carl, and when they when they decide their. Carl, future. Carl, let me interject real quick. What do administrators think of this? What college not not athletic people, but college administrators? Do they like the idea of somebody coming in and being on campus for one year? Or they? I mean, I, I think what Mike said earlier about the two year rule. That would seem would seem to be more favorable to everybody, wouldn't it? If you made, if you gave a guy an option to go go pro or go to college for two years, but again, well, there's, mean, that, there, there's a restriction there that, yep. that is not going to collectively bargain. It's collect, collectively bargained. It has to be. I mean, that that can't be challenging court collective bargaining stuff. No, uh, but the reason it there were there was a while back when people started pushing in, within the college game for two years. And at a certain point, it became obvious that that was untenable because a player like Trey Young would come into Oklahoma and average 30 points and nine assists a game. And then what? He's got to go another year. Well, I mean, it didn't it, it didn't make any sense from that standpoint. So for that reason, uh, it sort of died. And then all of a sudden, Adam Silver flipped to wanting uh, no, no, no restriction at all. And then the players' association said, "Yeah, well, we're we're kind of good with the way it is. Uh, we'll we'll get back to you." And and that sort of you know it sort of fell to the bottom of the list of things to, that they were really worried about. So you know, Carl was talking about uh, you know if teams uh, don't want these players, they won't draft them. That's it doesn't work like that in real life though, yeah. because they they uh, so many teams in the NBA operate out of fear. Yes, it, and, and, and some of that's from experience. Yep. Um, they, they didn't take Kobe Bryant and I, until yep. I think 12th. Yep. Uh, and so everybody was afraid that now they were going to miss the next Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Amazingly, there hasn't been another Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. since then. And a lot of players who were high school players got overdrafted. Uh, and a lot of players who were high school players wound up failing and, and really having challenging circumstances after their very short NBA careers, because they, they, weren't trained for anything yeah. they had money and it's gone yep. so it, it's not always just as simple as let the market decide because you have to remember you know, it's kind of like i you know i mean the consequences aren't as great but 
I, I, you know, I, I always say you wouldn't take the smartest kid in high school biology class and hand him a scalpel and say, oh, go, go take out somebody's spleen. You know, I mean, it, because the, the training that you have to have to become an NBA player is, it, is difficult. And the teams are neither interested or set up to do it because they're trying to win NBA games. It's one of the hardest things in the world to do, hardest hard things in sports to do is to win an NBA game. And so the coaches are not necessarily set up to do it and they don't have the apparatus to, to train them other than the G League. And they, you, there aren't a lot of first round picks that are all that wired up about going into the G League, as I mentioned before. So it ends up being a, a kind of a, a, a failed operation. And that's why the age limit rule became a thing. I mean, we still see teams draft out of fear, yes. even with the one year uh, we see, we see players taken that aren't necessarily uh, ready to play in the NBA, but teams are afraid that they might get there on somebody else's watch. So I, 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 I like the way it is now. I, I, I do believe that it's the best circumstance currently for the young athlete coming out of high school, if they really, really, really don't want to have anything to do with going to college class, they have a, and they're, and they're high level talents. They have a very nice program set up for them and they don't have to deal with it. And if they really want to get the best possible experience in terms of developing for the NBA, uh, then if they wisely choose a college coach who has shown a propensity for, for advancing players onto that level, and there are scores of them uh, that, uh, that are out there, then they can get it from, from that level. And if they want to get an experience that's un, really uh, uncommon, they can go to Europe and play professionally. They can go to Australia and play professionally. So there are many, many options now. And there, we even have, have had some young men who just didn't play, uh, who just trained and worked out and, and did that kind of thing. We've had a few of those and have gone into the NBA and, and, and built at least some level of, of career. So I, I do think that, the, the, that right now we're probably in the best place we've been, especially when you add in the fact that they don't have to go without compensation as a collegian. I think we're in the best place relative to the structure of the talent processing business, so to speak, as we've been in at least, you know, at least since um, guys were regularly staying three and four years. Mike, back to my uh comment about the Condoleezza Rice and the, the FBI scandal and the NCAA coming out of that. Has has college basketball been fixed uh, May of 2018? Oh, no. I, I mean, the things that were wrong then, uh, I, you know, I, hopefully there aren't any assistant coaches out there who are reckless enough to engage with money managers and try to direct kids to the money managers in exchange for a kickback. I don't understand why any of them ever did that anyway, because they already had plenty of money and they all were making good living. So I don't know why they got themselves into that. The several of them who, who did and were convicted, but I so hopefully we don't have any of that anymore. You know, earlier, um, earlier this week, uh, once Auburn made it to the number one AP poll ranking, it, it created conversation chatter about uh, coaches that had the, the label or even the, the uh, history of, of uh, cheating. I heard Tom Brennan, former Vermont coach, now basketball commentator, say, you know, I, I love Bruce Pearl. One of the most entertaining guys I've ever been around. But now with the, the rules that, that are in place in terms of, of inducements, 
even though the NCAA, you know, clearly states that NIL cannot be used to to recruit a player or to, you have, to have a booster a do it. Just have your boosters and, do it for you. Right. Of course. But that you know, he said Kelvin Sampson, you know, I mean, is getting that same the same rap that football coaches this fall called it the wild, wild west. Are are we are we gonna be seeing the same wild, wild west in terms of of transfer and NIL deals here February, March, April, May? Yeah, I think more in March and April <laughs> than February because yeah. people don't generally although it happens, uh, walk away from their team in the season. But yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that the transfer market, uh, I think the transfer portal gets a bad rap. The portal itself is one of the best innovations in, in, in terms of college sports rules that we've had in the last 20 years. Because what the portal says is, whereas in literally only less than 10 years ago, if I wanted to transfer schools, I had to go to my coach and I had to say, can I transfer? And he had to say yes. And then he had to write a paper that said I could transfer. And then he could tell me if he wanted. And by the way, you can't transfer to this school, that school, or the other school because I don't like them or we play them or whatever it might be. Now, you want to transfer, you can transfer. And that's as it should be. Uh, as far as the, the immediate eligibility for transfers, um, that's not, you know, that's not going to change. I was never in favor of that. I see the value of that now. Uh, in athletically, I can see there is value for some athletes, like a young man like Jamison Williams, who played football for Alabama this past year and was one of the best, it was maybe the best wide receiver in, in college football, was stuck behind three different players, four different players over the course of his career at, at his position at Ohio State, was able to transfer to the number one program in America and walk right onto the field. I mean, he had to do all the work and all that, but he was their best guy as soon as he walked in. And, and so he had a great year, unfortunately got injured in the national championship game, but I can see where there's a value to that. I do worry about long-term. Everybody who's gone to college knows that if you transfer, most colleges will not accept all of your credits. Mm -hmm. So I do worry about whether that will impact educationally a, a vast number of students. And considering how many students are transferring I think it's bound to, to get quite a few. We, we were at a high point in terms of athletes getting degrees, and we may now start to dip off of that because of this. Uh, as far as the NIL influence in that, um, I don't think there's any question. That, you know, I'm, I'm a believer because back in the 90s, I interviewed a young man named Cliff Rozier who had transferred from North Carolina to Louisville. So I interviewed him when he was at Louisville. And he told me that when he was being recruited by Dean Smith, that Dean basically said to him, look, if you're an NBA player, look at our wall over here. We got James Worthy. We got Michael Jordan. If you're an NBA player, we'll make you an NBA player. If you're not, we've got a network of alums that will, pro that will hire, as long as you get your degree and all that, we got a network of alums that will hire you. They'll pay you, uh, the, you know, the, the, the regular starting salary for most of those guys is at 60 grand. <clears throat> now, you know, that's inflationally, that's like a, a close to six figures now. Uh, and so it's not that much different to say to a young man or young woman, you know, the last player who played in this position for us made X number of dollars from the local car dealer. I don't think there's anything untoward about that. I do have a problem with the local car dealer knocking on the young man's door or the young woman's door and saying, here's, you know, if you come here, we'll pay you this much. I don't think that should be. I got to find ways to put rules around, put guardrails around this because that's what's happening right now. Mike, in the past uh, several years, the grad transfer has become a 
part of the of the recruiting process and <clears throat> and that uh, the number of grad transfers that have come from mid majors to quote majors and and you know that I don't like the term mid major or major <clears throat> but uh, but whether the the grad transfers from Cleveland State that you know that go to Kentucky or to to Ohio State or to you know to uh, Tennessee or whatever. Um, now that they don't have to rely on those grad transfers, they can they can find the the juniors that have had a breakout year at Cleveland State. And I'm using Cleveland State just as a general example here. Are we gonna are we gonna see that type of poaching and the impact that that it has on the you know the non power you know hundred universities in the in the country? Oh, I don't think there's any question about yeah. that. And- and here's, here's how you poach, so to speak, without breaking the rules. Every player now, pretty much, has been through a summer program. And the summer programs have symbiotic relationships with the, with the major and, and mid-major basketball programs. But they, but they care more about the major basketball programs. So you go to the AAU coach or the AAU program director and you say, hey, Joe's doing great where he is. He would look great in a, in a good old state U uniform. And that's all you have to do. And they, cause then the kid knows if he wants the opportunity at the higher level, then it's there for him. And that, and it's as simple as that. And, and I know that goes on. I'm sure that, that the, uh, the less, um, you know, the less scrupulous uh, coaches are going straight ahead and, and going right after the kid and getting into his DMS and all that, but you can do it easily without breaking any rules by doing it the way I described, and I know it goes on, and it's gone on before with the with the impending grad transfers. Uh, and I've always believed again that if you once you graduate, you should have whatever opportunity you wish. You've earned it, yep. uh, and if you want a higher challenge, go for it. Well, and now 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 everybody is in that yes. same category of a of a grad transfer. So, yes, yep. and yep. and that's right. problematic on the level of what it does to the developer of that talent and it's problematic again for the uh, young person's education uh so i'm i'm hopeful that colleges understanding that the apr is still a thing and grad rates are still a thing will endeavor to do their best to try to make sure that those athletes do complete their educations uh, because that's still a big part everybody who goes to college gets educated in some way but it does make a big difference if you leave the place with a degree Hey, Mike, we really appreciate you joining us. We're running out of time. I know you've got stuff to do as well. Um, it's a fascinating topic. It hasn't gotten a lot of play because of everything else that's been going on, but uh, the NCAA is going over, undergoing some changes now with their constitutional convention and all that. We'll see how that affects college basketball uh, once this offseason rolls around. Thanks again for your time, Mike. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Carl. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, hey, Car- like Carl, you Mike. got a thumbs up, thumbs down for me, Carl? You know, Mark, I do, by the way, since, all since right. you are. Well, we will be... Well, hold on. We will be right back after this. Stay with us. Carl's got his thumbs up, thumbs down right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. 
Contact Scott Horman at USA Prime Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Well, Mark, over the last several months, the NCAA and its leadership has been the target of a lot of criticism, including from you and me. And while we all witnessed one of the greatest all-time football weekends in history, those of us who are Bills fans witnessed another embarrassing lack of leadership, Bills. this time by the NFL owners for failing to change the overtime rules for playoff Ooh. games back in 2019 when the Patriots beat the Chiefs in overtime when the Pats won the toss and scored on the first possession. So thumbs down today for those NFL owners and hoping that this offseason, the rules are changed that will allow both teams at least Let's to Let's use the college football rule, overtime rule. It's awesome. Whether that's the, the solution, but it has been a water, water cooler topic all week long. And my thumbs up to the great game of baseball. And in this case, Woo-hoo. this may be a controversial thumbs up, Mark, to the National Baseball Writers for voting Red Sox David Ortiz on his first ballot into the Baseball Hall of Fame, despite that he may have tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs back in 2003, prior to the time when MLB was not testing for PED. Congratulations to Big Poppy. He deserves it. And you're leaving Barry Bonds and Carl and Roger Clements out of this who never tested positive for anything, right? That that would okay. have to be a thumbs down someplace. Okay. This right. was a thumbs up. You, this okay, was you a, got it. You got it. Very, this was very, at least an acknowledgement. Very well done. Carl, thanks again for, for that. Thanks to Mike DeCorsi for, from the Sporting News at TSN Mike is his handle. Thanks to, to him for joining us. Carl, we'll talk more hoops next week, all right? Okay. All right. Thanks for listening.